if you got your Bible, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 25. I'm actually going to preach the entire chapter of Matthew, but two, two-thirds of it, I'm just going to tell you what it says, kind of. We're going to paraphrase it. But I, I want to read uh, verse 1 through 13 real quick, and then we'll, we'll go from there. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps. Thanks, Tim. Um, and took their lamps. Um, ten virgins took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of our oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and for you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch ye therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I pray against every distraction of the enemy, God. I pray that you would give me peace and just your thought tonight, God. Help us to get this accomplished. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. God, I pray for a fresh anointing on your people, a fresh anointing on me, Father God, that we can serve you with gladness and come before you with singing, God. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you'll put verse 1 back up, I just want to go through this real quick. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. Keep that up. I want to... As God began to deal with me about this, I had something totally different that he's talking to me about. And Wednesday night, I came down to the altar and just just began to seek God. And and we all did. It was a great service Wednesday night. And we really just wanted God and we were seeking Him. And the Lord spoke these verses to me. And and I felt an urgency that I haven't felt in a while. And, And listen, we all know He's coming. If you ask any believer, we'll say, yes, we believe Jesus Christ is at the door. But, but the, it was a difference. There was an urgency where the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and say, hey, I know you have this that you're going to want to preach or teach, and I've been showing you this, but I need you to put this to the side, and I need you to preach this tonight. I need you to let my people know that this parable is a very scary parable if you're not ready. And so I asked the Lord, why, what makes the wise and what makes the foolish? You know, I've heard people it's blown my mind because he's talking. If you read verse twenty, chapter twenty four, right before this, he's talking about the peop, the servant that says the Lord delays his coming and he's going to be beat with many stripes because he said God's not coming back, and he follows that with this: that there's virgins, which means they're pure, which means they're the church, which means that means five fifty percent are fools. I don't want you to be a fool tonight. 
And I was like, God, what's the, what's the difference? And hopefully tonight when we leave, I can show you what he's been really laying on my heart about this. Look at verse 3. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Now, I'm going to try to go by my notes, which is hard for me, but I'm going to try my best to. It's so funny with this. They had their lamp, but they didn't have the oil. They, they had the form of godliness, but they didn't have the power thereof. Listen to me. There is a scary place that you can get in as a church person that you have a lamp. And the fact that you have the lamp will fool you into thinking that you have the oil too. Well, I go to church and I do this and I do that and I care about people and I have the form of godliness. I have the form. It's dangerous to sit on a pew week in and week out. It'll almost deceive you. The sinner out there really realizes they need a savior. It's the ones of us, myself included, that we've been in this thing so long that we're comfortably sitting and we tell ourselves, but I've got my lampstand. But I've got my lamp with me. But I have this and but I have this. And listen, you know, I've heard some of the greatest minds preach on this topic or talk and read about it. And I'm sure Brother Dennis and Brother Doug and a lot of these guys have too. But what the oil is, listen, I don't care tonight what the oil is. I'll tell you what it is to me. It's whatever keeps your light burning. Now, in this same Matthew 25... JT, me and you are going to, we've been doing this for a long time and we're going to have to do some jumping. But in this, go to, um, go to Matthew 25, 24 through 30. The second parable after this. I'm going to tie them together. So he tells the story of the virgins and now he tells the parable and he says, Then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that you were a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathered where you have not strawed. And I was afraid, and I hid the talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast, um, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked, slothful servant. Do you want to know why most of us don't have the right oil in our lamps? Because we're slothful. Because we're all about everything God's given us talents, God's given us abilities, and we're about every single thing in our life but the thing that gives us all. Okay, I'll say it again. Maybe I'm about everything in my life in this world except the very thing that gives me all. The only thing that's going to matter is the very thing that we neglect most of the time. Back to, how do you tie this together? It's real easy. That servant said, well, he gave me something. This is good enough. I'll just keep it. I'll keep my lamp stand. I've got a lamp. Hey, I'm one of the virgins. I'm pure. Everything's good here. Now go back to verse 3. But they didn't take all. Listen, when I was down here Wednesday night, this is not like some kind of scare tactic. This is... I don't have time for games. This is, Jesus Christ himself said this. And, and, you know, look around tonight compared to this morning. You don't think we're right there where the love of many waxes cold? 
I'm praying for our church. I don't like the posture that we're in. I remember when I used to brag that Evangel was unlike any other church because our Sunday night crowd was almost the same as Sunday morning. What happened? They came on Sunday morning with their lamp stand, but they didn't have the oil. And I'm not talking about people like Drew who's really sick tonight. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But the, the reciprocal danger of that is that we do say, well, we come on Sunday night and we come this and we do this and we work in the nursery and we work with the kids on and we do this and we do. And in all the doing we've lost, we associate with the virgins that we're pure and we're Christ, but we don't have any all. Maybe I've beat that point to death. So we'll move on, but go to verse 4. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Keep going. While the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered and they slept. Listen, we have to be ready. We have to. There can't be, there can't be a time where we're not ready. He came when they were asleep. And I want to show you, verse 6, go. Go quick with me. And at midnight there came a cry. I cannot wait for that cry. I cannot wait to hear, go ye out, you know, the bridegroom comes, go ye out to meet him. And on the eastern sky, Jesus Christ himself is waiting on us. I'm ready for that cry. I'm ready for it. But, but back, to the, back to the oil and the lamp. Go real quick and we'll go back to verse 6, JT, to Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. There we go. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Verse 6. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And this is where I want to focus and kind of shift. Everybody in this room probably knows this. I learned it in, when I was really small in vacation Bible school at Hillview Baptist Church. Okay. I went there for the cookies and the fruit punch drink, and I learned a lot of scripture along the way. Thank God for Hillview Baptist Church. And, but that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So what's the difference between the person that doesn't have oil and the person that does? And that's the question I asked God. I said, what does oil do? It makes your light shine. And so I was like, I don't want to be a foolish virgin I don't want to be so arrogant to think that you're not talking to me, that I can be so churchy that I really miss this. I need to know. And as he was preaching this morning, my Bible fell open to this that I was preaching or not. And it just like jumped off the page and showed me something. If you've got a light, you have good works. If you have a light, it's going to shine. You cannot separate good works from a light. So if you come to church and you come through the motions and you come here faithfully, but when you leave out here, there are no good works, you, are, you might want to check the oil level. There has to be good works. If the oil of God is burning in you and the light of God is burning in you and you're on fire, remember when you got saved and you were overflowing with the glory of God? You told everybody about Him. Your light was shining. It's not about church attendance. It's not about coming to this stuff. It's about good works. You know, you heard the, the opposite today. 
And it was the balance of it. Yes, I am not saved by my works. But he also said, hey, I'm only going to show you my faith in Christ by my works. I I don't have to earn him. I don't have to do anything. But once I'm coming to this army, there is an assignment. There's a responsibility. I have to get, listen, we can't neglect our Bible. We can't neglect prayer. We can't neglect the things that are all. But more than that, we can't neglect just caring the way he cares about the community. Period. The oil in our lamps are the, is the care. The oil in the lamp is the concern. All right, look, look at, um, I'm going to prove this to you. Number one, he follows this with the parable of the talents that I read. and said the wicked servant was consumed because he did nothing with what God gave him. Guys, this is scary. He expects us to do something with what he's given us. I told him Wednesday night, you, you might have a weird view of the way the judgment's going to go. You better base your view on the way the Bible says it's going to go and not the way you think it's going to go because the nations are going to rise up against us. China is going to rise up to America and say, you had a Bible app on your phone. You got an email from your youth pastor every day encouraging you. You had a Bible that has dust on it on the, in the living room, one in the kitchen, one in your purse, one in everywhere. If you don't think it's going to be like that, you need to read. Nations are going to rise up in judgment against us. It's scary. God expects the talent that he's given us for us to use it. He expects us to know what the Bible says. I don't know where to start. Start easy. Don't start in Matthew. Start in Mark. Matthew 1 will get you all tripped up with begats. Don't go there. Don't read Song of Solomon until you're 25 or married. It's things like that. You got to know some tips to the trade. But start in Mark and Luke and John and begin to read it and get it. The epistles. Go read First and Second Timothy. Man, they will feed you. Colossians. I think it's Philemon, Philemon, something. Read it. It's amazing. But it'll help your light shine. Amen. Go back to verse 6, and we'll keep reading to 13. And at midnight there was a cry. Go to 7, I'm sorry. Then all the virgins arose, uh uh-oh. And they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us. Listen to me, in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be resurrected. Our bodies, when it finally comes time for that, boom, we're going to be translated. God breathed in us and we became alive and you can't kill us. We're going to be living. We're living forever, either in hell or when he breathed in us. Everything he is is life and we're life. And it's going to happen in a moment of a twinkling of an eye. But what you miss is the thing that before that happens, when that angel steps out and says, he's coming, go out to meet him. And there, it says at the last trump, the dead in Christ rise. So there's going to be a trumpet and there's going to be people that are going to come to you and they're going to say, I know you're living right. I, I hear all the Christians starting to get excited and I, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear a trumpet. I mean, I go to church and I pay my tithes and I know that you know, you know Jesus and I'm there, but man, what's happening? You got to give me this. And we're going to say, whoa, I only had enough to make it. I didn't have any extra. 
I had to take care of me down here now because I'm telling you guys, when I was right there on my knees, this day is coming quickly. That that trumpet is going to sound and it's going to put people, there's going to be 50% of the church rejoicing and 50 of the church is going to be running to the people rejoicing, saying, you know, that's why these movies, it's not going to happen. Don't, don't get caught up in Hollywood Christianity. Planes are not going to be crashing into things. It's, it's, people are going to pull their cars over because there's going to be trumpets and there's going to be time. And I know you've got it figured out how it was supposed to go, but read your Bible and then put it together. Put that back up, teach. And then verse 9. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. Listen, you've got to have your own experience. You have to. But go rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they were ready, went in to win, with him in the marriage. I love this. And the door was shut. We're going to be with him forever. Amen. 11. Afterwards came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily unto you, I say unto you, and keep this up, I know you not. It doesn't say, one place in Matthew 5, they're going to say, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we have all the form? Didn't we do all this great stuff? And he's going to say, I never knew you. You were a church poser. You played around. But to this group of the virgins that let their oil go out, he says, I don't know you anymore. There's a change in you that I don't recognize you anymore. You know, that relationship that we had when it first started and you became one of the virgins, one of the set apart, one of the fresh, one of the new, the ones that love me, and where we talked and where we walked together and where we knew each other, all of a sudden, I don't know who you are anymore. You don't ask me what I think about your life. You don't ask me what I think about you should be doing. Where you used to seek my will and you used to seek my way. All of a sudden you haven't asked me anything. And now the trumpet sounds. And he says, I'm sorry, I don't know you. No, but like I go to Evangel and I, you know I'm there. And when the beat gets big, I clap and I say hallelujah. He's like, Who? I don't know you. Isn't it funny when we hear stories like this, everybody thinks about all these other people. Nobody ever puts their self as the one that missed it. Work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. And I'm serious. When I hear that, I ask myself, when's the last time I trembled before God and said, hey, I need you to come search me and know me. I need you to try me and know my thoughts. I need you to see if there's any weird, wrong, incorrect ways in me. I need you to see why the oil's not flowing again. So I told you there's three parables. So they go out and they miss it. So I'm asking God, what's, how do I become wise I want to be a wise version. I don't want to be a fool. And if you got your Bibles, I might have given it to you. Matthew 25, 31. He gives this parable to, to add to the other two. 
And this is the one I want to end with tonight. I want you to grab. It says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all the nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as, sh- as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him and say, Lord, when saw we you hungry or fed thee? Or when did we see you thirsty and give you drink? When saw we you a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? Or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto you? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you do have done unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done unto me. Then shall he say unto those that are on the left hand, and I'll just, I'm not going to read the rest of that to you. We preach these as like three different parables. And the answer to is how you're going to be a wise servant is the three parables all go together. He tells you first, you've got to be a virgin and have oil. And he says, here's how you have oil. I'm going to give you talents and I expect you to go out there and use what I've given you for the glory of God. And then he follows it by saying, and here's the other way that you have oil in your lamp, is when you see the need, all of a sudden you meet the need. You, you don't become consumed with self. That's how you drain up your oil. I'm telling you, I've learned in this thing, the more you give, God loves a cheerful giver. When I was 12 years old, I read that in my life application student Bible, that God loves a cheerful giver. I'll never forget it. And I said, God, I want you to love me. I am a selfish person. I'm stingy. I like my stuff. I don't want anybody else's. I want you to change me and make me a cheerful giver. I'll never forget it. And I'm telling you, he did something to me that day at 12 years old to make me just want to give. That's how we all have to be. It's for his glory. He has to put his nature inside of us that we again see the hungry and the naked. And listen, some of us should just walk into our closets and just look there and wonder if we're taking care of us or taking care of God's kingdom. I'm not telling you not to have nice things. You'd be surprised how many people don't even give their tithes, much less to help people. I would be scared to death if I didn't pay my tithes. And I don't pay it out of fear. I pay it out of reverence. You say, well, I don't even know if I have the money. Yeah, you, you start paying your tithes and become faithful to God. You'll find out money comes from everywhere. You don't even know. Cast your bread upon the water and many days it'll come back to you. I, I'm not a prosperity doctrine kind of guy, but I am this. You want to be blessed in the city? And blessed everywhere you go, you pay your tithes. You say, the church must need your money. We don't need your money. I was here 16 years ago when we didn't know where the power bill was coming from. And we, when we first got here and we got on our hands and knees and began to pray and people would come off and give us, hey, I felt like we should give you a $5,000 check. 
We don't need your money. Don't, don't think I'm, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I don't need your money. This is the house of God. He'll take care of his house. But I'm telling you, it's something about him getting into you and making you care about people. He's got to get us back to where we care. When we see people hungry, when we see people neglected, a lot of times in church you got people that say, well, nobody even did anything for me. Do you know how hard it is and self-control for, for when I hear that to go to them and say, what have you done for anybody? What do you mean? It ain't about you. We have a church that sacrifices. I'm not trying to beat down. But listen, this parable, Brother Roy, is attached. He says, hey, when you see the least of these, the one that can't give back to you, when you see if you really want oil in your lamp and your light shining, what you do to that person, you are not doing to be seen of men. You're not doing for anything. You're doing it to me. The Brooklyn Tabernacle is built. It's one of the, they have one of the most beautiful choirs. You should check it out if you go on YouTube or anything. Their songs are just so amazing. And the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, I was reading this, what happened to him for them to grow. He said, you know, it's in Manhattan. It's right there. I mean, down, I mean, it's like one street, you've got like million dollar homes and one street over you've got nothing but druggies. And he said this guy that was addicted to heroin came in to church and after the service was over, he could tell the guy smelled and hadn't bathed and he was pacing back and forth waiting to talk to him and he said in himself, he was going, oh man. I don't want, this guy's going to hit me up for money. This guy's going to be, you know, kind of how we do. And he said he kept waiting and he was talking to the people, kind of not wanting them to go so he didn't have to go talk to them, to the guy. And he said God spoke to him and said, how you see him is how I see you and your sin. And he said, I begin to just weep. And he said, we changed our church, the whole theme of it. It's grown to a huge church now to reaching out to people who are the least of these. Because they had oil in their lamp. Because they were looking for a hope. And they didn't care what they looked like. They didn't care what, care what they smelled like. They, they have a living hope. And this is the last scripture I'll share with you. God reminded me. A couple of years back, God showed me this scripture, and I've, I prayed over our church, and I want you to pray it over our church, but it's Hebrews 13, JT. It says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of his everlasting covenant, and look at this, verse 21, make us perfect in every good work to do his will. And listen, this might not mean a lot to you when you're reading it off a screen, but when God shows you this, my prayer for everybody in here is that you don't just sit a pew and say, I've got a lamp. Is that God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, the everlasting covenant, Hallelujah. make you perfect, which means complete in every good work. 
You know why a lot of Christians feel incomplete? They have been trained by church people that you come down here and your completeness comes from somebody laying hands on you and you feeling God move on you and you getting the oil back in your lamp and you're thinking, oh, I've arrived. It's so glorious down here. You're missing it. Your completeness is not getting touched down here. The reason he touches us at the altar is to get us back to do good works out there. Look, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through how? Through Jesus Christ. If you grab anything else I say tonight, put this scripture in your heart and pray it over the church that every member gets completely full of God's work to do his will, that we see which direction to go, that you don't just sit a pew and get a touch in here. You know why we haven't had good Pentecostal services lately? Because we've done absolutely nothing with the blessings we've received in the past. I will not keep pouring new wine into an old skin. I know y'all didn't like that. What good was it if you came down here tonight and you shouted again in the Holy Ghost, you prayed in tongues, woo, bless God, I'm filled with the Spirit now, and you go right back to your idols. I've been scratching my head for months now going, God, where are the Pentecostal services that I know at Evangel? I mean, February, we're close. We'll be here 16 years. Where are those great moves? We're fat. We've eaten at our table, us and us and us, and we've gotten and we've received and we've grown fat. And we're lethargic and we got spiritual high blood pressure because we're so fat. Was it Samuel? It was so fat he fell off the thing. It wasn't Samuel, it was the one before him, Eli. Eli got so fat off God's house, he lost his vision. That is not just an Old Testament story, that is a foreshadow of things to come. That's a representation if we're not careful. We won't see a need. We won't feel a need. I don't know why we don't see great Pentecostal services. God's saying, well, I can't give you anything else. It'll kill you. You have to actually go again. You have to actually ask Him to make you perfect in good works and not a foolish virgin. It's not about you. It's not about you. If you can't witness yet, you can at least invite people to come to God's house. You'd be surprised what kind of Pentecostal services we had if we started reaching out to the least of these and watching God save them and heal them. Do we even believe, he was all over it this morning, do we even believe God saves and heals and delivers? I get so sick of everybody saying heroin's on an epidemic now. Everybody's on heroin. Everybody. I thought, I know the cure for heroin. I've met him. He walks with me and he talks with me. I know him. You don't think we'll have Pentecostal services when we get heroin addicts set free? They're going to stink and they're going to smell bad most of the time. And they're going to be confused and they're not going to fit your little plan of what a Christian looks like. God, give us John the Baptist again. 
That's what I asked him the other day. All he did was say, hey, get ready. He's coming. He's coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. And I was like, Lord, I want some John the Baptist again. I want your spirit to come on. This guy was eating locusts and wild honey. And if you don't know what locusts is, it's not, a, it's not an insect. It's a big lotus locust blossom that they were dipping. And it was very strange to be eating weeds and honey. And he had a camel suit on. And this guy was nothing like the people in the temple. He was out there, you know, he's kind of like a hippie. He was eating the green stuff, and he was out there doing God's, God's thing. But you know what? He was always saying, prepare the way of the Lord. He was doing to the masses, to the people. He didn't care what their appearance was. He cared about what was on the inside of them. And if we're going to make it, I'm serious. You get what I'm telling you tonight. Don't you dare go through the motion. And when the trumpet sounds, he looks at you and says, I have no idea who you are. I used to know maybe somebody like you that cared about people that cared. Listen, I'm telling you, I told Bethany last night when we laid down, I said, I am not having another football party, period. I don't care about people coming to my house. People are going to hell and we're gathering around and having football parties. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I was like, no, we're going to have parties where we tell them, bring your unsaved friends to our house and we're going to feed them. Y'all might think I'm crazy. I thank God for a wife that follows me. It's like, let's have a party over. Let's bring your friends that aren't saved to my house. Let's bring them over to my house. Forget the TVs. Turn the TVs off. And let's show them that there are some really people that care and are filled with the love of Christ and what they're missing. I'm telling you. Pray for us. I told her I felt so bad. I'm not, I'm not telling you I'm not going to watch football or any of that stuff. I'm not swinging like a crazy person. But I'm not just gathering food up again to sit and watch TV and a, and a football game while people are going to hell. Wow. Man. Man. Football party. I thought about it. bothered me. I was up late last night rolling over. I'm having football parties. When's the last time I said, hey, bring your friends that you're trying to witness to to my house. Come get around us. You say, you're getting kind of radical. Yes. John the Baptist was crazy. Look at the ministry he had. It didn't look normal. And I love what he said. I don't care about the weirdos and the false fire. God will take care of false fire. A lot of times they're just misguided. A lot of these people just haven't been trained and taught. I wish some of this doctrine that's weird worked. I wish you could blab it and grab it. My problem with blab it and grab it doctrine is that they're always asking for Lexus and they're always asking for mansions and they're, always at, they're never asking for souls. They're never asking for fruits of the Spirit. That, that bothers me. The God of peace through the blood of His own Son make us perfect in every good work. I want us to get some ideas. I want us to get with God again, how to get all back in our life and how we shine again. I'll be, I'm just going to ask you this last question we'll close. Have you been really shining like you're supposed to? I'm glad there's not a lot of people here tonight. This is kind of for the remnant kind of service. I love God's remnant. Because I remember when this church, if we had had this many people on a Sunday morning, Sister Ronnie, 
we'd had a Holy Ghost party. Sister Ronnie was playing the piano. We were singing Shout to the Lord on CDs and some hymns some. She was helping us out. There was 20-something of us. I can't remember. He can tell you. And God began to do something in us. God began to stir us. And he, he said, revive your work in the midst of years. I told the band tonight, some of those guys have been playing music with me since they were little kids, it seems like. And they're men now. And women. And it's easy sometimes for it to just get the motions. It's easy to just get your lamp and go through the motions. And be fooled that, well, I've got a lamp. No. I I challenge you tonight. When I was in my office, I, I really felt like the Lord began to deal with me. I challenge you to get Matthew 25 and you read it for yourself and you you let God talk to you about it. What is it required for you to be a wise virgin? It requires works. I'm telling you. It requires work for his kingdom. Our pastor talks about witnessing at Walmart. That is not a pastor thing. That is a Christian thing. So if you're like me and you haven't been witnessing like you should, ask him to put the oil back. Let let me tell you something. I'm not going to shy away from it. And he said it. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, other than salvation, is the greatest thing that can ever happen to you. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit as the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, or if you haven't prayed in tongues in months, you're not filled. I know. Well, I've gotten a service one time and weird language came out of my mouth. That is not what it's talking about. I'm talking about I don't know how to pray like I ought to, but the Spirit Himself begins to pray through me. It's not, man, I know Christians that believe that tongues is just for the altar and the administration. It's not. It's for your house. It's for everywhere you go. There's times at work where it gets tough and I go in the break room and I begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and pray in the language of heaven and all of a sudden God reminds me, hey, you don't have to kill these people. Hey, I've got you here. Hey, he gets the heaven mindset back. And the problem is if we're only praying in tongues here or if the membership's not even seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's not weird, I'm telling you. He's not something strange. He is God. He is love. He pushes Jesus Christ. He is the only comfort in certain situations. He's the only one that can comfort you. You can feel the very Father, the God of everything. When In times when you don't understand, He can give you a peace that passes understanding. It's Him. He's not weird. He's not strange. You say, well, I don't know about people falling on the floor. Let me tell you something. When the power of God comes on you and the love of God, when you experience it, there's nothing strange about it. I want to see that again. I've never seen it. It blows me away. I, I, so I remember used to invite friends to church at Adamsville, and I'd be like, please don't let Nana. Lord, please don't let Nana act up. Don't let her shout. Don't let her run. Let them just think we're a good little church. And it never fails when I'd invite friends is when we'd have the greatest Pentecostal services. But you know what? They, I always thought, man, they're never coming back. You know what's funny? They were always like, whoa, that was cool. Like, that was, wow. 
the church I'm used to is a little different than that. Yeah, it had a little life to it, didn't it? Amen. And I'm with him. I'm not bashing other churches. I, uh, on Thursday mornings, I've, I've gotten with Jonathan Fox from Move Church, and the pastors from the area get together, all the pastors, and they pray at Move Church. I said, I couldn't do it, but I said, man, I have a heart for the pastors around here. And he's, he's facilitating it, and they're praying together. I love it. Methodist, Nazarene. All, a lot of the Baptist churches from around here were coming together and seeking God as one. That's awesome. I love it. Amen. Amen. Let's focus on the 99% that we agree on. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you want oil in your lamp, the Holy Spirit is that oil. You, listen, you don't even have to be filled, but you've got to be seeking. Ask it. Just, God, is this real? Show me. Get the book of Acts and just read it for yourself. Who cares what any man says about it? You and the Holy Spirit. Read Acts. And you tell me what happened in the book of Acts. And you tell me if it was quiet. And you tell me if every time it says the Holy Spirit didn't fall on somebody, tongues weren't there somewhere. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. Well, who were you baptized in? John's baptism, which was what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. They were saved. Paul laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. I'm telling you, it's not weird. It's amazing. You ever been just trying to pray before? Regular, sitting down? I don't know why I'm here, and I'm three minutes over and you're sitting down and you try to pray and every single thing in the world comes through your mind but the prayer. You're like, Lord, I want you to help. And you're like, man, I got to go pick that up. And I wonder what's for dinner. You ever been there? The remedy to that is the Holy Spirit. When I get where I cannot pray in English and my mind will not focus, I let the Holy Spirit begin to pray. And then he leads me in things in English. He prays in English. A lot of times at the altar, it doesn't do anybody in an unknown tongue to scream in a different language. All tongues mean is language. In their ear, and you're, you're screaming in tongues in their ear, and they're trying to talk to God. It doesn't do any good. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray in tongues up here. But a lot of times we're praying in the Spirit up here to get what's going on in there, and he begins to show us and enlighten us and empower us, and then we can pray in English so they understand. Everything's decently in order. Even when it looks like it's... You, you guys, I wish everybody could experience one camp service just one time. It's beautiful chaos. It's all in a line, but it's all crazy. God's doing things all over that room. You got people in the back laying down, praying and talking, wanting their parents to get saved. And you got this person up here who's shouting and rejoicing and praying in tongues and twirling and doing cartwheels because the joy of the Lord's come into their life. It's, it's, it's crazy. I, I can't tell you the times I walk behind the curtain and just say, God, this is yours. I don't even know where to go from here. Man. That's what I want us to be like here. How? We got to get some people in here. We got to be perfect in every good work to do His will. 
it, I'm reading D.L. Moody right now, and it's a free copy. Krista told me about Amazon. You pay $9.99 a month, and you can basically download as many books as you want. And I thought, man, they're going to lose their money on me on that. And I'm reading this free book by D.L. Moody, and, and he's talking about, you've got to remember, this is like 1930. He's talking about the problem in the church is their hobbies. I'm thinking, what, 1930? What did they do, throw rocks? I mean, like, <laughs> like Lucy wasn't even on then. And he's talking about how carnal the church is in the 30s. Their hobbies are separating them. That they love to go to the theaters more than they love to go to the house of God. He said, I read that today. He dealt with it. it it's it, maybe I didn't make the good point there, but the point is, is that we're all human. <laughs> we all have that in common. We all need the Holy Spirit to give us that oil that gets us burning again. Yeah. That gets us back to what he wants us to do. This one lady said, Deal Moody, I'm not going to get saved unless you can tell me I can go to the theater. And he said, I've never read where the Bible says you can't go to the theater. I think you should, but what I want you to do is get Jesus. I want you to give your life to the real Jesus. He says, you can do whatever you want to after that. And I'm reading that and I was like, wow, what is he doing here? And he says the next week, after she gets saved and she's bawling and true converted, she said she came back and said, I went into that theater and I stayed for three minutes. And I looked at my husband and said, what have I been doing here? See, a true conversion. I'm not preaching against theater, so you can relax. I'm telling you that once people come in and we want to try to clean them all up, forget all that. Give them Jesus. I'll never forget the night at Farstill Church of God, 1999, December. I can't tell you the day, but it was in December. It was cold. And I came down to that altar, and I stayed there for an hour, and I gave my life back to Christ. When I got in my car, I can never forget. I thought the music kicked on, and I thought, I cannot believe I was listening to this. The guy that went in the church was not the guy that came from the church. We need to see that happen here. You know what it's going to take sometimes? It's going to take you not leaving at 12 o'clock. They might have to stay down here for a little while because they've got garbage and rejection. Parents nowadays are warping kids faster than we can get them saved. They want to be 30 and 25 and 18 again, and they're not raising kids with love anymore. So sometimes these kids have to come down here and they've got a lot of baggage to let the Holy Spirit process them through and it, your lamp needs to shine. Listen, the other thing about this church, and I'll just say this, I've been thinking, we used to be tenacious in the altar. When somebody came down, nobody stood by their self because we had love and our lamps were on fire. And when they came down, we didn't just come down and say some little, now my lay me down to sleep prayer. We prayed with love and passion and the fire of the Holy Spirit Spirit prayed. It wasn't the ministry team. It was the membership. And that's how we grew. We loved one another. Our lights shine. When new people comes in, it's your responsibility to get to know them. Yeah, I know. Well, I can't really go to my hobbies then. Yeah, I got it. 
And, and that's what I'm trying to say. And man, I've gone over. Don't, don't be so deluded. Or it, I don't even know if that's the right word. But don't, don't be so fooled. How about that? That you think just because you just come, that parable should scare you to death. It should bring godly sorrow that works repentance in all of us. That we are so satisfied so many times with the form and the lamp, but not the oil. Scary. This is a great church. You hear me preach, you think I'm not happy about it. Bethany told me the last time I preached on a Sunday night, she was like, you seem kind of angry. And I was like, I really wasn't angry. But I feel a burden. Uh, We had a prophecy given to us. And listen, I put a lot of stock when it's a true man or woman of God that gives a prophecy. Because Paul told Timothy, fight a good warfare by the prophecies that have gone forth before you. We had a prophecy given us that this would be the greatest year that evangel's ever seen. And I kind of got discouraged. Pastor knows. Because I thought I saw the exact opposite of the prophecy. And then God began to show me what that prophecy really meant. He's bringing in family and people that are going to help us. It is going to be the greatest year. He's starting to bring in people that are going to be pillars again so that we can stretch out our tent stakes and we can establish and we can reach new areas and new places. A lot of you are sitting here tonight and God's brought you in here and you didn't even know that the prophecy was given to us about you, that God was going to bring you in to help us. And I told the, the group Wednesday night, we got two months left. I'm asking God to keep bringing them in. I'm asking God to keep getting us excited Listen, I'm telling you, look around at the people that have been here just in this year. That are here on a Sunday night. This has been a great year. I'm not content with it, but I'm thankful for it. You know, I heard greatest year ever, Joyce, and I thought that was going to be like spill over in three services. And And God showed, no, 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 before you get all those people coming in, I got to put pillars in here and I got to get you strong and sound, people that can labor with you. And if you've been here a long time, I'm praying that he revives you. Sometimes you just have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and just fear no evil. For all men forsook me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I love it. The glorious word. I wish you could feel what I feel. Some of you felt like you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. It's been a long valley. I got to share Wednesday night. God spoke to me in my truck two weeks ago and said, the season's almost over. I was like, thank you. It's been a tough season. But he stood with me and he strengthened me. And now I look back and I thank God for that season. Because that season, I have more love for him than I ever had before I walked through it. Because I know no matter what comes now, he's with me. Some of you have walked through that season. I didn't go through this by myself. 
I can see you when you come in, you have that shell shock look on your face because you're in the valley of the shadow of death. He's with us. He's going to give us all. It's glorious. Prayer doesn't have to be a burden. It can become one. In a season of dryness, sometimes prayer is the absolute hardest thing for somebody to do. How many times I've called him in the last three months and said, I think I'm completely backslidden. (laughs) Like for real, I think I don't know Christ because I can't pray. My mind is just crazy. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) We're coming out of that season. We're going to come out. The, The Bible can be alive again. That lamp can burn. Amen? Some of those things you think are strongholds in your life that you're trying to get rid of, just let him do it. Let me tell you something. When I got rededicated in December... The hardest thing for me, I never, I've never to this day drank another drink again. God took it from me. Let me tell you something. I had been dipping since I was like 15. My dad would have known that. He would have killed me. But it took some process of the Holy Spirit to work that out of me. And you know what he really did? He didn't work it out of me. The closer I kept coming to him, the less I wanted it. I didn't have to throw it away. He took it out of me because compared to him, it was nothing. It didn't happen. I mean, he took a lot of things from me that night. He didn't take that for some reason. And he let me work on it. And then he started working on my temper. He still hasn't gotten the victory there, but he's working on it. (laughs) I'm really trying. That's something we're working on. When I was reading that D.L. Moody book and he said that, that it made me feel so good when he said he had to repent so many times as a preacher because he let his temper get to him. And I was like, thank you, Lord. There's somebody else out there that fills me. He can restore us. He can renew us. Everybody stand. I'm so sorry I went so long. <sighs> If I went too long, it's the pastor's fault. He, he cursed me with the, it's going to be short. Tonight, I just want to ask you to do one thing. I just want you to ask God to put the oil back. He says he anoints us with fresh oil. Fresh oil. David, one time, sometimes you might not understand it, but David said, you have anointed my head like the horn of a unicorn. You read that and you're like, What? But back in those days, he, he had watched Samuel anoint him. And he remembered, you don't think when David came from the shepherd fold and Samuel, who everybody knew, the prophet that could hear from God after all those years, came to his and said, by the way, you're going to be the next king. And he dumped that horn of oil on him. You don't think that was one of the greatest days of his life? What you should read is, is from that point on for 10 years, he walked through hell itself. 
The mad king tried to kill him, throw spears at him. Everything went bad. He was in the valley of the shadow of death. I don't even know why I've shifted, but I feel this. Some of you have walked through it and you don't understand. And David said, all of a sudden, I feel like again, you've anointed me like a unicorn. You've poured that fresh oil back on me. I've walked through this. I didn't think I was going to make it. I didn't think I'd even be here. But I'm not only here, I've got fresh oil again. The thing that drives me, the thing that makes me shine, I've got it again. That prayer language of heaven, let him fill you. Where it just flows.